You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's turn with me to Proverbs chapter 17. That's where we're going to be at uh, this evening. Before we get into it, I always want to thank Pastor Kobernack for the opportunities that he gives me uh, to preach. He just mentioned that... Uh, I've entered my fourth year of pastoring uh, there in Harrison. I'm entering uh, what will be my tenth year into full-time ministry. Just completed uh, nine. But I was thinking this coming Sunday will be uh, New Year's Eve. The first message I ever preached was on New Year's Eve over at the church on the avenue. And that will have been 18 years ago. Uh, And so I'm 32 now, so I know some of you don't think that's very old, but I feel old uh, at times now uh, because there's so many new faces that I don't even recognize because they were born after uh, my time here. And so I'm getting a little bit uh, older. Maybe that means wiser. I don't know. I always get a compliment, I think, when I'm here. People will tell me, you're going to make a good preacher one day. It's like, well, what? What do you mean by that exactly? And so, but I'm thankful for all the encouragement that I've been given uh, throughout the years. I'm always excited to be able to preach at what I consider uh, my home church. But I'm thankful for you, Pastor Coburnett. Uh, your pastor's always been very kind to me, uh, and I value his friendship. Uh, and he's always let me preach pretty much every time uh, that I've been home, uh, schedules permitting. But I've never been able to have him come and preach until this year. He's actually coming to Harrison and preaching a revival uh, this coming year for me. So really looking forward uh, to that. Uh, But as we turn our attention to uh, our text, the title of my message tonight is, I want a merry heart. I want a merry heart. And we're going to be in Proverbs 17, verse 22. But as I think about that a little bit, it's hard to believe that the Christmas season uh, has already come and gone. It's hard to believe 2023 has already come and gone. We're entering into uh, 2024. Uh, And I'm sure over the course of the past few months, you have either said or heard the phrase Merry Christmas uh, quite a bit. Uh, Maybe you've said it to uh, someone at a store, maybe picking up food, or maybe it's been said uh, to you. But did you know that it's possible to be merry the other 11 months in the year? You don't have to just be merry in the month of December, just like it's okay to be thankful outside of November. It's like, I always always crack up a little bit. It's like, you enter November, it's like 30 days of thanks. Well, what about 365 days of thanks? Next year's leap year, what about 366 days uh, of thanks? It's it's okay to be thankful all year round. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think sometimes we can... uh, make the will of God more complicated than it really is. What's the will of God? You obey His word today, you obey His spirit today, and you'll always be in the will of God. And one of the aspects of that is just being thankful uh, every single day for what the Lord has blessed you with. Now, as I reflect a little bit on the Christmas season this past year, it has felt a little bit different for me. Uh, Personally, as well as my home church, or my church there in in Harrison, Triumphant Baptist, I feel like collectively we have been walking through the valley of the shadow of death, especially in the month of December. Uh, We had a faithful man in our church. He passed away on December 11th, and I attended his funeral uh, on uh, Friday, December 15th. About two and a half hours after attending his burial service, I received a phone call from my dad uh, telling me that my grandma had passed away. The next morning, a family in my church, they were grieving the loss of a father uh, and a grandfather. And it's one of those lessons that as you go through life, there will be seasons of sorrow. 
There will be seasons of grief, but God does not intend for His children to live in a constant state of sorrow. He doesn't intend for us to live in a constant state of grief. In John chapter number 10, Jesus is declaring an aspect of His mission. He's even declaring an aspect of His purpose for leaving heaven and coming to earth. We were just talking about Christmas songs. We sang Heaven Came Down as a Christmas song this year. Because Jesus left His glory in heaven and came down to earth. He took on flesh for us. But in John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That doesn't sound like Jesus has a desire for us to be constantly downtrodden. To me, it sounds like He wants us to have joy. And He wants us to enjoy the life that He has made possible for us. He wants us to enjoy the life He has given to us, even with all the sorrow mixed in between. So with that in mind, if you're willing and able to, will you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word? We're just going to read one singular verse tonight, Proverbs 17, verse number 22. It says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Will you, will you bow with me for prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful for this evening, and thank you for the opportunity to be able to open your word tonight with your people, and may we learn from it. I ask that you would strengthen me and help me as I preach your word, fill me with your spirit. Uh, and use me, give me the right words that you would have me to say, and may it be an encouragement to your people tonight. And it's in Jesus' name I ask this, amen. Thank you for standing, you can go ahead and be seated. Uh, when I was in elementary school, which seems like a long time ago, uh, when I was in elementary school and middle school, my teachers liked to uh, decorate their classrooms with different posters, maybe had encouraging phrases uh, written on them. Uh, out of all the posters that I've seen, there's really only one of them that I remember. And I would imagine it's been in many classrooms throughout the years. It might even be popular today. But it was something along the lines of, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. I'm fairly certain that the actual quote is, it is your attitude more than your aptitude that will determine your altitude. So I want to define those three terms real quick. First one is attitude. That is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. So it's a way of thinking. Aptitude is the natural ability to do something. And then altitude is just the height of an object or point in relation to sea level or ground level. All right, so it's a settled way of thinking, the natural ability to do something, and then the height of an object. And so the essence behind this message or this phrase is that if you have a bad attitude, you're not going to be able to fly high and reach your fullest potential, regardless of your natural ability. Whereas if you choose to have a positive outlook and choose to have a positive attitude, you are far more likely to excel in whatever it is that you're having a good attitude towards. Once again, regardless of your natural abilities. Now, when it comes to living the Christian life, your attitude, more than your aptitude, will determine your altitude. Why do you say that, Pastor Michael? Because God is looking for willingness more than He is looking for skills. Because He will equip you with what you need in your service for Him. 
Here in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, King Solomon, uh, he's giving some practical spiritual advice, even life advice, to his son. But he's even venturing out into some medical advice as well. And the message behind this, this word of wisdom is that your attitude affects your outlook on life. But it does not end there. Your attitude also has a direct impact on and has implications regarding your health overall. There's only two attitudes that are presented here in this verse. And with each of these two attitudes come very, two very different effects. You know, if you were to uh, go home and read all of the Proverbs, you're going to encounter a lot of cause and effect scenarios throughout. And this is one of the cause and effect scenarios that we will find. And as we begin to look at these two attitudes, I want us to understand that these attitudes are just two different responses to something that is already causing you a problem. Think, think of it this way for a moment. You don't take medicine if you're not sick. You only take medicine when there is a problem, or at least that's how it should be. And the whole advice that's being given here in Proverbs 17:22 hinges on the fact that a problem exists or that a problem will eventually exist. And that problem will either be minimized or maximized by the attitude you choose to respond with. When it comes to our individual lives, there are going to be days in which you are happy. You're going to have days in which your life is full of joy, but there are also going to be days in which you feel discouraged. There are going to be days in which your spirit feels crushed. That's normal. That's, that's to be expected. It's, a, it's part of life. I, I debated about whether doing this or not because there's so many different people in here that I don't really know now. But I want to do a little bit of class participation tonight. So we'll, we'll do two or three, maybe four or five. But by... Raise of hand, I'll point out to you. What are some things that make you happy? What are some things that make you joy? Brother Chuck, right over here. My wife, amen. I would agree with that. My wife makes me very happy. I'm sad because she's gone for the next two days uh, and that uh, she's in Harrison, but she'll be back on Friday. Amen. Anything else that makes you happy or brings you joy? Right over here. Your children bring you joy. Yes, amen. We'll take a couple more. Miss Bonnie. Family, amen. Right here. Good music, amen. I like that answer. That's awesome. We're actually going to be talking about that in a minute. Don't get ahead of the sermon. <laughs> Say that again. Church, amen. I thought you said food there first. I figured that was going to be an answer at some point. All right, we'll take one more. One more thing that brings you happiness, brings you joy. Nobody? Right here. Guns, amen. You know, you know you're back in the South when someone says, guns bring me joy. He's, he's constantly sharing on Facebook, hey, if anybody needs a good deal, here's, here's a link that you can follow right here. you got to love Brother Curry. All right, now opposite end of the spectrum. I don't mean to be negative here, but what are some things that discourage you? What are some things that make you feel overwhelmed? Evil, yeah. Look out the evil in the world. That's definitely discouraging. Bills. Yeah, and all God's people said amen. 
Not, how, how about we change that? We move from bills to taxes. How about, how about taxes right there? Both of those can discourage us. Yeah. Anybody else? Ms. Bonnie again? I appreciate participation tonight. Say that again. Discord, Discord yeah. When there's disunity, when there's fighting and so forth, yeah, that can certainly uh, be discouraging, can make you feel overwhelmed. We'll do one more tonight. Laura, uh, you're way back there. You're going to have to speak louder. The news, yeah, you turn on the 5 o'clock news, you will be depressed and discouraged because they get their ratings off sharing bad news, not good news. One of the things I want you to realize about this when we talk about happiness and joy or feeling overwhelmed, when God created mankind, He created us with different emotions because He created us in His image. God has emotions. God feels His emotions. And our emotions, they're not sinful as emotions. But what we allow our emotions to become, or what we do as a result of our emotions, can certainly become sinful. I'll prove this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Be ye angry and sin not. All right, You can be angry, but that anger can quickly turn into something God did not intend for it to become. Continue to say, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And when we think about the emotion of anger, I believe often it is an appropriate response. But we cannot let our anger lead us to sinfulness. If you were to go home and read Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, you're going to find that life is full of different seasons. And those seasons produce different emotions. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 through 8 says this, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. Just as every one of us has a birth date, all of us have a death date. There's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck up that which hath been planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep. There's emotion, sorrow, grief associated with that. But there's also a time to laugh. There's joy that is associated with laughter. There's a time to mourn, a time to dance. There's a time for celebration. There's a time to cast away stones. There's a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow. There's even a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. There's a lot of seasons in life. And what we can learn from a passage like that in Ecclesiastes, and even our text verse here in Proverbs chapter 17, is that scripture does not always that scripture does not say that we should always be happy. It doesn't tell us that. But rather, when life feels the opposite of happy, a cheerful heart and a dose of joyfulness is the medicine that you're in need of. So I want us to look at our first option when it comes to our attitudes regarding a problem. Here's option number one, a merry and joyful heart. First part of verse number 22, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You know, throughout the years, and especially recently, medicine uh, has been used or is being used to regulate people's emotions. Now, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, 
Not even in the sense of a, a Bible doctor even. I'm, I'm a doctor in no sense of the word. And I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like I am. But it does not take someone with a medical degree to realize that a large portion of our doctors today are very quick to medicate. They're, they're quick to mask symptoms with medicine rather than finding the actual cause of a problem. When it comes to things such as you know your mental health, or your spiritual well-being, the answer has always been, and it always will be, a real, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to disagree with me on that, that's your prerogative. But the mental health issue that is facing our world today is a God-sized problem, and I believe my God is able to deliver people from its bondage. As Christians and as followers of Christ, we know We know that the ultimate source of joy that a person can experience in life, this lifetime is found through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Proverbs 10 verse 28 says this. It says, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness. Well, who is our hope? It's Jesus Christ. Gladness is associated with knowing Jesus Christ personally. In John chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible... Jesus, he's talking to his disciples about the importance of abiding in him. He's reminding them of the love that he has for them and how they need to continue in his love after he leaves them in the physical sense by returning to heaven. And in verse number 11, he he gives his reasoning for sharing this illustration and, and teaching it with them. He says, John 15 verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now we sit here on a Wednesday night and we know in our minds that Jesus can give us joy. Jesus wants to be our joy. And we know that Jesus gives a very unique and specific type of joy. It's abundant. But do we live our lives as if we actually believe it in our hearts? We know He gives us joy, but do you believe it? What you have to do is you have to apply it to your life. We have to apply what we know in our heads to our actual hearts. Now, I'd be willing to argue with you tonight. If you want to fight, let's go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not like that at all. But I'd be willing to argue with you that the Christian that constantly has a sour and negative attitude towards everything either doesn't truly believe that Jesus is the ultimate source of joy or they are not willing or they're not willing to put forth the effort in developing their walk with Christ. So the person who's constantly downtrodden, sad, negative, critical, all of those different uh, adjectives, either they do not believe Jesus is the source of joy or they're not putting in the work to develop their walk with Christ. Because if they were developing their walk with Christ, one of the byproducts is joy. And so in either instance there, the problem is with the heart. The problem is with the attitude. The Bible shows us that it is possible to have joy. It is possible to have a merry heart in the midst of difficulty. You know, a great example of this would be the Apostle Paul. In the book of Philippians, Paul, he's a, he's a prisoner in Rome. And all throughout his letter, he is constantly urging the Philippian believers to rejoice in the Lord. To find their joy in their relationship with Christ. 
find their joy in him. Philippians chapter 3, which is the halfway mark of the book. He says, finally, brethren. It's like he wasn't anywhere close to being done in his letter. He says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Then he gets to chapter 4, Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So instead of looking around us and potentially getting caught up or overwhelmed by our circumstances, a joyful believer will look to the Lord and intentionally rejoice in Him. There's a choice on our part. So instead of looking around and pointing out all the negatives, which is very easy to do, what we should do is we should look around and find the positives and intentionally thank God for them. It would be impossible, and I don't use that word lightly, I use it intentionally. It would be impossible to find your joy through your circumstances because they are constantly changing. Our lives are constantly changing. But you want to know what is consistent? You want to know what is constant? Jesus! Matthew or Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like I said, our lives are constantly changing. It's constantly evolving around us. But our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, they're constant. They remain the same. Your circumstances change. Your life looks different today than it did yesterday, but your God is the same. He has not changed. His love for you has not changed. His desires for you have not changed. Find your joy in Him. And when you make a point to be intentionally joyful and intentionally merry, you are going to find that your circumstances no longer knock you off balance. Why? Because you're, you're walking with your rock. The one who is constant. Your circumstances aren't going to cause you to get caught up in worrying anymore because you're committed to finding your joy in the one who remains the same. The one who remains constant. So the first option to, let's say, bad news, the first option to life-changing news, is we can respond with a merry heart. We can make that choice. But the second attitude, the second option we can choose is we could choose to have a broken and crushed spirit. It's not the good option. It's not the correct option, but it is an option. Look at the latter part of that verse. So the first part says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. All right, so we see that a merry heart is like a medicine, but on the contrary to that, a broken spirit can lead to physical ailments. A broken spirit can lead to sicknesses. A broken spirit can lead to things like depression, anxiety, high blood pressure, ulcers, lethargy, even apathy. Does that sound pleasant? Is that desirable? We don't talk about it often, but you can worry and fret yourself to the point of physical sickness. You can get so caught up in the negative that you make yourself physically sick. 
Now, if you have a broken spirit or a crushed spirit, you can try and hide that for a while. You can even give excuses as to why you appear discouraged to throw people off from the real issue that you are facing. But the reality is that if you have a broken and crushed spirit, others will notice. You know, whether, whether we realize it or not, every one of us in this room, we have influence. Some of us have more influence than others, but we all have influence over someone because we are setting an example to those who are watching. You know, as a pastor, I know Pastor Cobra would agree with me on this, I strive to have a merry heart to my church family when life doesn't go the way that I would have planned because I want them to see the biblical response to tragedy. I want them to see the biblical response to uh, difficulties. I certainly don't want to be guilty of influencing a bad attitude. I don't want to become guilty of uh, influencing them with a defeated spirit or showcasing that to them. You know, Pastor Coburn and I, we were talking over lunch today over some good Chinese food like we always do when we get together. But we were talking about how it's possible for a broken spirit to be contagious. I think it's more contagious than a joyful spirit. But our negativity can create a negative spirit in others. The broken spirit that is drying out your bones can dry out the bones of those around you. Because a broken spirit affects more than just yourself. It can be so bad that it just sucks the life out of those around you. Now, I'm not naive to the fact that we all have problems. Who's got problems? Who wants to have a contest to see tonight who has the most problems? No, we're not going to do that. No. I understand tonight that we all have problems, and some of us have problems that are bigger than others. But rarely can we control what actually happens to us. There's a lot of things that, that take place around us that we have absolutely no control over whatsoever. But the truth of the matter is that we serve a big God... And he's at work in the midst of our problems. Though we can't control what goes on around us, we can control what's going on inside of us. There are going to be days in which your spirit feels crushed. We talked about it. It's natural. It's going to happen. But you can choose not to stay and live in that kind of spirit. The choice is yours. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. What James is doing right here is he is challenging his brothers and sisters in Christ to choose joy. He's saying, I want you to choose to be resilient in the midst of adversity instead of becoming defeated, instead of becoming discouraged. You know, we mentioned John 15, 11 a moment ago, but I want to go back to it for a moment. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus' hope is that His joy would remain in them, which indicates... That his joy is something that can be lost. In Psalm 51, King David, he's been confronted regarding hidden sin in his life. And 
He's crying out into repentance. And it's in that prayer he makes a very interesting request. Psalm 51 verse 12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Is Miss Jodina in here or is she online? Miss Jodina, I got my iPad on. She's saying, that's encouraging, brother. She's texting me right now in church. Love you, Miss Jodina. (laughs) But when you think about that verse, the repentance aspect, and then the prayer of restoring salvation, David obviously hadn't been walking with God following his failure. What was absent from his life because of that? Joy. The reality is that if we don't abide in Him, His joy won't be as evident as it was when you were abiding with Him. You have to be in His presence. You want joy? It's a byproduct of being in His presence. I'll close with this thought. If you abide in Him, you can find joy through difficulty. Even the most difficult of difficulties. You can have an attitude of a merry heart. And that attitude can be a blessing to you and others. Attitudes are contagious. I believe negative ones are more contagious. But positive ones can certainly be contagious. And if you have lost your joy, if you're sitting in here tonight saying, you know what, I really don't have much joy. If you find yourself in the position of constantly feeling discouraged, constantly feeling defeated, constantly feeling broken and crushed as described in our text, the good news is that you can get that joy back. Seasons come and seasons go. But God does not want you to remain feeling defeated and broken. When you make Jesus Christ the center of your life, when you make Him the source of your joy, you can handle any change. You can handle any disappointment. You can handle any discouragement. You can even handle pain with grace. And when it comes to living the Christian life, your intake will determine your output. And the problem I believe that is facing a lot of Christians today is they're not getting enough good, wholesome, and edifying intake. Their spirit is crushed. Their spirit is broken because the only real intake they have is negative. You need a daily intake of the Word. You need a daily intake of the Word of God. But you also need a regular intake of preaching. You need a, a regular intake of the preaching and teaching of God's Word. You need a a consistent intake of godly music that that lifts up the spirit and edifies the spirit. You also need a regular diet of friendship and fellowship. God did not intend for us to go through life alone. He created us for companionship. And we need friendship. We need fellowship. We need the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ in a church setting, but we also need it outside of a church setting as well. Been doing a series through the book of Acts uh, at, at Triumphant, and one of the recurring themes I found in the early part of Acts is just how often the church body was getting together outside of the church. It was, it was every day. They were, they were going to people's homes, they were sharing a meal together, and then they were talking about the Word. That's what they were doing. And you want to know what happened as a result of that? Church grew. 
How quickly could our churches grow in America if we all just built some real relationships? We encouraged one another. You know, our spirits, they can't handle all the negativity that's going on in our world. Our spirits can't handle the negativity of social media. Yeah. Our spirits can't handle all the negativity of the 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock news, whatever you want. You can watch news at any time. You can check it out on your phone. You can't handle all of that negativity. You can't handle the negativity of social media, the news, and your real-life problems without having some sort of good to balance out your spirit. And here's what I want you to know. You are in control of what you consume. Now, I understand that there's some circumstances that, that are outside of our control. But what we constantly choose to put in through our eyes and listen through our ears, we are in control of that. The question is, when the unexpected comes into your life, or the undesirable happens in your life, what attitude are you going to choose? The choice is yours. Are you going to choose... A merry heart that will do good like a medicine? Or are you going to choose a broken spirit that's just going to dry out your bones and potentially dry out the bones of those around you? The choice is yours. A merry heart, it does good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.